Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. A great Brazilian team. Doubt, it's there. They're ahead. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's okay now. The goalkeeper's Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer Tonight live on 92.9, The Game and the odyssey app thanks for being night owls with us i'm jason longshore alongside jessica charman and jess in terms of quality this was the best day of world cup action so far we might have a new contender for the title might have a a shocking comeback and upset and we've got some controversy so we got plenty to talk about yeah had a little bit of everything i can say that there were a lot of goals Mainly in one game, there was a lot of tactical genius. I think it was a day of coaches and a lot of success from that side of the board as well. But an exciting game. And I saw an underdog that I had spoken. I said that would be quite successful, have everything except for the result in Canada. Yeah, they got a lot of praise. Uh, Everybody said that they were the better team here. The expected goal shows that they were the better team. The number of shots shows that they were the better team. Roberto Martinez, head coach of Belgium, said Canada was the better team. Many Belgian players said that Canada was the better team, but they lost. It's the cruelty of the game. And it was a really interesting game, by the way. The, The tactics of this were fascinating. Some of the decisions in it were fascinating from players and coaches and referees. And we'll talk about that. And that might take a little bit of extra explanation. But just your thoughts on how Canada looked in their losing effort in your mind. I just thought they were really brave. They didn't look like a team that was new to the stage in terms of none of these players having any World Cup experience. You saw even from the minute they were doing the national anthem, the emotion in these players, how much it meant to them, how passionately they were singing that anthem. You could tell they were proud to put on that jersey. And I think that was displayed on the pitch with the way they came out. They played fearlessly. They tried to attack. And it could have been also different if Alfonso Davies had been able to convert the penalty. I know we have some thoughts about... Listen, he's your big star, he's your poster boy, and he's your most informed player. Don't get me wrong, but was he the right 
player to step up and take the shot from 12 yards. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Jason. No, he wasn't. Uh, Jonathan David is the better penalty taker and the more experienced penalty taker for Canada. He, it's just a matter of experience. David's nine of 12. Davies is two of two. And the biggest thing about that penalty that, that stood out to me, you know, the, the longer you do this and you watch games and you've been on the field in these games, you've been on the sideline in these games, it took a long time for that penalty to be taken. And, and it's mm-hmm. this wasn't a situation where there was a bunch of gamesmanship or anything. It just took a long time to get set. It took a long time for the penalty to be confirmed. Davies set the ball down really early and he had to just stand there and think about it and think about it and think about it. And he did not take a well-struck penalty. It's a, it's a save for Thibaut Courtois. And and I never like to, to not give the goalkeeper credit because you'd smack me in the back of the head if I don't, but that was a very comfortable save for Courtois. As soon as he dived the right way, he was always going to save it. If you strike a good penalty, even if the keeper dives the right way, eight, nine times out of ten, it's still going to go in. Because at the end of the day, at the level that these guys are playing in the World Cup stage, if you strike a ball with all your might, look at the Gareth Bale penalty. Turner did a great dive. He guessed well. He came across a good distance. Still couldn't keep it out because of the cleanness and the power behind the strike. It was a very tame effort. It's a good save. And, you know, he guesses the right way. I think anytime a goalkeeper guesses the right way and gets hands on it, they deserve credit. But it was a big moment. And I don't think Davies recovered in the same way for parts of the game. I think he ended up doing well in certain sprees, but I think it was clearly on the back of his mind for moments during that game. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, and that's natural. Uh, there's nothing wrong with with that aspect. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about this game in, in our next segment, too. Uh, this was just fascinating on so many different levels for me. When you see the emotion that Canada had singing their national anthem, I was worried that they would come out distracted or come out and not be quite there in the moment. They weren't. First 15 minutes, they were brilliant. They had that penalty shout. They dominated Belgium. I thought Belgium was awful in the first 15 <laughs> They looked minutes. old. They looked old. I'm sorry. Well, that back line is old. And they looked like they could not deal with Canada's press because it was 3v3. And and Belgium, look, they're going to play what they're going to play. And, and that's what, as if you've listened to the show and you've kind of got our thoughts on the game, you have to stay true to yourself. Belgium mm-hmm. is going to stay true to what Roberto Martinez has worked on year after year after year. But this was a game where it was very difficult to do that. They did make a little adjustment as the first half went on, and it led to a goal. We'll get there. Canada, maybe that first 15, they're they're running on adrenaline. They get the penalty. They still look good after the penalty miss. Sometimes you see a team dip after Mm -hmm. that. They didn't. About 20 minutes in is where you started to see Belgium figure out some of the weak spots with Canada. We're going to talk about the the penalty that wasn't a penalty in, in the next segment because it's going to take <laughs> too long to set up. The The rest of the first half, what Canada did is they, they started in a 4-3-3, but it was a completely lopsided 4-3-3. Davies was a left back, but he was free to go at all times. Alistair Johnson kind of stayed to make it three. 
Belgium figured that out and started to pick on it, which is what you're supposed to do. It's what a good team does. They started to try to play in behind Alfonso Davies, make him stay home a little bit more. 19th minute, Kevin De Bruyne had an opportunity to play Tielemans in on the right side and just completely missed it. You and can we touch on that. Kevin De Bruyne, who yeah. had one of my favorite quotes, though, when he received the man of the match yeah. trophy saying, I don't know why I got this trophy. I thought at least he admitted it. I thought he was extremely underwhelming. Yeah. We talked about it. Best players have bad games. But I think when your leader on the field isn't having a very good game, it sort of gravitates around you. And I think that when Kevin De Bruyne is not having a good game, Belgium aren't going to look like a world-beating team. Eden Hazard was better than, than KDB in this game. Eden Hazard was good. He, he was really good in moments. Um, Belgium's best player was the second half sub, Amadou Onana. Easily their best player. He, again, you talk about making adjustments. You talk about changing the game a little bit after you see what's going on. Roberto Martinez brings on Onana, who gave that midfield more steel, more bite, more physicality, getting into those tackles, covering ground running for some of the old men behind him. <laughs> it, it really helped Belgium. But the biggest thing they did, they started in about that 20th minute, starting to open the game up, starting to try to attack behind Alfonso Davies, making him defend. They were still giving up some chances. They were starting to attack Alistair Johnston as well. He struggled a little bit in the first half, got much better as the day went on. But the smartest thing they did is what led to the goal. They just started skipping the press. The press was 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 stifling everything. So what do you do to deal with that? You send a perfect long ball over the top, out of IRL, straight down the middle. Mitsu Batshuayi gets in and finishes. And that's how you beat a team that is stifling everything with their press. You just play over the top. But it also shows that you're able to adapt. I think you mentioned, you know, we thought they were going to try and stick to their style of play. And when you're too rigid, when all you want to do is pass and play out of pressure, you become a one-trick pony. And yep. that was the one moment you felt encouraged by this Belgium side that they were going to be able to show a little versatility, to show a little bit of mindfulness on the pitch. I think one of my pet peeves watching soccer games sometimes is where you look robotic. You look like you're forced into this system and you're not making decisions on the pitch. That was a moment where a player took the initiative and played the smart pass. Is it the prettiest ball? Yeah, it is because of the style of play. It, it was effective. And I think that sometimes you have to adjust in order to be successful. And we've seen a lot of teams play themselves into pressure when they can actually relieve that pressure by going long. And you can, you know, be able to exploit that space a little more and have success. Yeah, the system should be like the frame of your piece of art. It's not the art itself. And I think teams that, that get too rigid, it's too defined by the system. I think what you want is it kind of creates your rails, it creates your boundaries, and then you get the creativity inside of it. And we saw that from Belgium today. We saw that from Canada today as well. They, they played very, very well. Um, the biggest thing that stood out to me in that first half is Belgium in their eight World Cup qualifiers had 1.42 XG against them in the first half in eight games. First 27 <laughs> minutes of this one, Canada 1.43 XG. They had a ton of opportunities. They had the penalty. Maybe should have given up another penalty. We're going to break that whole situation down and try to explain it from both sides. We're going to try to explain what happened in that. 
in our next segment. We're going to get into Spain's demolition job on Costa Rica. We'll get into Croatia and Morocco and a scoreless draw just a little bit. We'll get into Germany and Japan as well. Japan with a brilliant comeback. And we got to talk about Brazil because they kick things off tomorrow. They are the number one favorite in this tournament. Lots of things to discuss. Atlanta soccer tonight will be back in five minutes on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now we're back with more of our look at all of today's matches on Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Let's go! On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We started talking about Canada and Belgium, and we have to talk about one of the biggest moments of the game, a penalty that was not given for an offside decision that shouldn't have been offside. <laughs> this is going to be complicated. This is going to be in the weeds a little bit. We're going to try to make sense of it because... Jess and I talk about this stuff all the time. <laughs> when you have these referee decisions, I think it's really important to try to explain it properly because they're going to come up in another game you're watching. They're going to come up in a game that you're coaching with your kids. They're going to come up in one of your kids' high school games. They're going to come up somewhere. And to know what happened here, I think it's really important. There's a couple different elements to this, and let's start with the offside portion of it because that's the cut and dried one to me. It shouldn't have been offside. That's the, it was a bad call because the ball was intentionally played back by a defender. If it takes a deflection off a defender back in the day, that was like diplomatic immunity for being in an offside position. Not anymore. There has to be intent. There was in this case. I don't think there's any question about that, Jess. No, I think that the key word, as you mentioned, the rules have changed. It's an intentional pass in that direction or an intentional play. They have to deliberately be attempting to head it, to pass it. It has to be a controlled movement towards the ball. I don't think 
you can ever say that it wasn't. You see clear intent in the way that the ball was played back, and then therefore that negates everything that you know. So it's interesting to see that someone decided that that wasn't the case, including the AR that flagged so confidently for it. Yeah, the AR put the flag up. They The referee did not blow the whistle until the play was done on the field, which was after a challenge, a tackle that we'll get to in a second. So the AR puts the flag up. The referee blows the whistle after that moment. All right. They decide to restart from the offside decision. So it, that's what they decided on the field. They didn't talk about the possibility of a foul because in their mind, the play was dead when it was offside. Now, this is where it gets complicated. And this is the part that we don't think, because of the way everything played out, that this was even discussed by the referee crew. I would love to know exactly how things went down. Don't you wish they had the uh, the referee conversation sometimes so desperately, like they yeah. have in rugby? Yeah, I do. Um, I understand referees are kind of reluctant to do that in in our sport, and I think they they need to kind of get over themselves a little bit because if rugby can adjust to it, soccer referees can absolutely adjust to it at the highest level. Um, at a minimum, the audio should be available after the game if they're worried about language or, or whatever mm-hmm. and they want to edit, you know, it would be educational. That's out what I fun. think. I think the yeah. best part of it is that it's an educational tool. I agree. Maybe it's afterwards, but being able to see it and learn and young referees can learn too and see how they handle themselves and the conversations they have. I think it's like you say, Jason, if you're going to be refereeing at the highest level, you've got to be held accountable at the highest level as well. Yeah. And, and you have to be able to accept that a mistake was made and and that's okay. It's going to happen. And, and referees are never going to get every call, right? It's just not going to happen. There's penalties. I mean, it's the same thing. Coaches make bad lineup decisions. It happens across the board. In this case, the referee crew and they're a team, they got it wrong because it wasn't offside because of the intentional play. Then you go to the next step, which again, to be a hundred percent clear from the way both Jess and I interpreted this, this next part didn't even come into play for the, the discussion with the referees because they believed it was offside. So, if they had believed that it wasn't offside, then you're going to explore the tackle itself that led to Tejon Buchanan being on the ground. Christina Uncle, who is a referee, high-level referee, expert in the game, serves as a rules analyst on Paramount Plus during Champions League, Europa League content. She brought up the point that in the challenge, Jan Vertonghen did get a touch on the ball. And what she said in this, and I think it's important the way she said it, and it's something that you have to consider and and try to understand here, because at times I think referees maybe do a little bit too much covering for one another. But (laughs) what she said, and, and the part that I think took it beyond just covering for the referees in case of a mistake, the discussion around a tackle like that one, where player comes in, gets a little bit of the ball, but then doesn't go straight into the ankle, ends up on top of the foot. Over and stepping on the lace. like. It, but, 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 that's the important part, Jess. And that, that's, I think, what Christina Uncle's trying to clarify. If you go 
if you get a touch on the ball, but you go straight into somebody's ankle, foul. Doesn't matter. You got a touch on the ball, foul. But if you go to block the ball in the way that Vertonghen was, and you get a touch, and you end up on top of the player's foot, they're trying to not have that be a foul like it has in the past. So because it's a natural soccer move, but at the end of the day, I don't, yeah, I don't know the explanation. For me, yeah. I think even if it's okay, it's not on purpose but it's still endangering an opponent. And they talked about wanting to give yellow cards and stuff for protecting players. And I don't think you're protecting players if you allow something like that to happen, which can cause a very serious injury still without giving it a level of punishment. It can. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It can. Um, it's, it's a little more complicated for me with that information. If that's the directive that they don't want those kinds of situations where you come down on somebody's foot without the intent to come down on somebody's mm -hmm. foot. If they don't want to give penalties for that, okay, then let's see it consistently. And, and across as, the whole field. And that's the thing we talk about. But no, no, that, but that's not how they're saying it because, and that's that, that ship already sailed. Remember the oh. premier league did this this year where they don't want to give soft penalties anymore. Uh, they didn't use the terminology because referees hate the term soft penalty, but they didn't they didn't want to give those penalties for lesser contact anymore. And that's kind of saying like, well, it might be a foul in midfield, but it's not a foul in the no, penalty no. area because we don't want to give a penalty because a penalty is more impactful than a, f a free kick at midfield, which I kind of get. So this is the thing about refereeing. And, and we're, we're going to move on because we could talk about refereeing for hours and hours and hours refereeing in this sport is the least black and white maybe of any sport maybe outside of a strike zone in baseball it, it's there's a lot of judgment in it and it can change game to game it can even change moment to moment in games the more consistent it is the better it is and that's something that we're looking for in this tournament so if that's where they want to be that they don't want that step on the foot to be a penalty Let's see if that plays out the rest of the tournament. Yeah. I mean, let's see what happens if that happens in the Brazil game. You know what I mean? I think it's just about consistency. That's all people are asking for. We've talked to people all across the game. And the key word that players bring up, that analysts bring up, that coaches bring up is consistency. They just want it to be the same for them, for the opposition, for the other people in their group. You don't want to look back and... Listen, I always believe that teams that blame referees for them not making it through or losing games need to handle their business on the pitch at the end of the day. But you don't want it to end up being in a position where people look back at the World Cup and say, well, we didn't qualify. If we'd have had this penalty, you know, or this penalty hadn't been awarded to this team, we'd have made it. You want to make sure that that doesn't come into people's mindsets. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing with this is just that they didn't even consider the possibility of the foul. That did not come up from the way we saw the restart. It was a restart because of an offside decision. That was incorrect. We don't know how they would have handled the foul portion of it. We've heard what Christina Uncle said. Look, she would know. She's getting those directives. You know, She's getting those directives from FIFA, from referee associations, how they want to call it. She's having those discussions. We don't always agree with some of those discussions and interpretations and directives but we kind of I think they're important to pay attention to because then we get a sense of how games are going to be called. And then we can adjust our expectations accordingly. So I'll be curious to see how that goes the rest of the way.
one game that was easy to kind of wrap up here today, and we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead to it is Croatia Morocco. That was the opener this morning. No score in it. Honestly, not a ton in it. Croatia two thirds of a goal for XG. Morocco about a third. So not a lot of offense in this. We've talked about Canada a lot. I feel like Jess, they should look at both of those teams, and they get Croatia first. They should look at both of them and say, "We can win this." Yeah, I mean, you heard their coach's comments right after the game, where he said, "We're going to go and f Croatia." That's a lot of pressure. What he said. Put on. I hope it doesn't come around to bite him on the bottom. But I think that this group is fascinating now. I think Canada will feel hard done by to be bottom of the group right now, but they will feel like they have every opportunity now to pick up six points in the remaining two games, particularly if they come out with that fearlessness, with that fight. My one concern, and I'll be interested if you echo this, Jason, that was a very exhausting game for Canada. Mentally, physically, it was a tiring game. Do they have the depth and do they have the energy levels to continue to bring what they brought to the table today in the rest of the group games? Yeah, I think they actually do have the depth. Um, you are relying on 39-year-old Atiba Hutchinson a lot, um, but he somehow does not play like he's 39. It's unbelievable to me that what he's got. I think Kyle Laren coming off the bench, I wouldn't mind seeing him start in the next one. Um, there's a couple players that you got to worry about. Alfonso Davies with an injury concern coming in. Is he going to be ready to roll straight away? I think maybe more importantly with – Canada, Croatia on Sunday, along with Morocco and Belgium. Belgium got three points here they probably didn't deserve. They're going to want to build on that. Morocco really didn't create much of anything against Croatia, but they didn't concede. Um, And we know their fullbacks can get forward. We know they've got pace up top. We saw some of the frailties of Belgium. That could be an issue for them. That Canada-Croatia game, I feel like, It's a big statement game either way because Croatia has to show more as a defending finalist. They have to show more than they did against Morocco, against Canada. They have to take care of business. Canada still hasn't scored a World Cup goal yet. Four games now, three in 1986, one today. They still don't have a World Cup goal. Croatia was in a final last time around. They've got to stand up. They're an older team too. But I feel like they're in a little bit better position to handle how Canada could hurt them. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm just wondering whether Canada takes that youth and that naivety almost and comes into this one against another aging side. We saw Modric having to drop back a lot, not being able to have an impact, trying to put everyone on his shoulders. And how long can he do that for? I'm not sure he can do it anymore. And I think we saw that Croatia is not the side from four years ago today. Are they going to be able to find a second wind against Canada? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think Croatia saw how Belgium scored, though, and maybe try to take a page out of that book against Canada. We also saw a new record set today. And then that new record was broken before the day was over. Find out what that was in five minutes. Atlanta Soccer tonight will be right back on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. with Atlanta Soccer Tonight on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. 92.9 The Game, Atlanta Soccer Tonight. World Cup updates, lots of them. It was a busy day in Qatar during the World Cup this time around. We've got to get into Germany and Japan next on the board. This was an emotional roller coaster of a game, Jess. Germany completely dominated the play for, I don't know, 85 of the 90 minutes that they played. But Japan ends up getting the win. First time they've ever come back to win a match that they were losing at halftime. First time Germany had lost a game they were winning at halftime since 1978. Uh, Shuichi Gonda, the Japanese goalkeeper, eight saves on the day. I thought his second half was brilliant. I wanted to talk about goalkeepers in this game because I thought it was a tale of two goalkeepers. And we were texting in the first half about Gonda and being very concerned. I thought the well, first goal he gave up, it was a pushback into a, a silly area. And I think that he didn't really do as well on that one as he could have. There was one that was in the back of the net that was obviously offside, correct decision, but poor mm-hmm. goalkeeping there as well. The penalty he gave up, eh, probably diving in a bit where he shouldn't it was his you know he's trying to bail out his defenders but as a goalkeeper you've got to stand your ground there I think it was a bit of a rush of blood to the head all of that goes amiss though when you look at that second half where he made like four saves in the span of a minute like flying across the goal here there everywhere I thought he gave his team so much confidence in that second half there's times where goalkeepers make a save and you as a defender know that it's just going to be your day. We're not going to concede again. And I feel like that was the belief that the Japanese had. They felt pretty good that they just needed the two goals and that they would have success. And no, on the other end, uh, when I look at the goal, the I think it was the first goal Japan scored. I think he should have done better with the area he parried it out to. 
And then the second goal, near post, it's a rocket. Don't let that discredit the Japanese forward. But angles-wise, have you got your angles completely right if they're able to look in that direction and strike it there? I'm not completely sure. Yeah, Neuer's one of the best in the world, but this maybe wasn't his best day. He's not at fault here completely. Uh, I think Germany had so much control that maybe they let their guard down a little bit. There were some similarities to the Argentina match where both of the goals came in a pretty quick succession where maybe they were rattled after sure, conceding sure. first. Yeah, and in a game like this one where Germany had all of the play, they set a record in the first half in terms of passes completed. Possession, They Japan had the second lowest possession figure in history since they've been tracking it, since 1966, 26.2% of the ball. The record is 26%, South Korea in 2018. The thing those two games have in common, they both beat Germany in it. Or they both were against Germany. It seems like Germany sometimes has too much possession, and I think that we talk about possession stats. You've got to do something with it. You've got to finish your chances as well. And I feel like Germany will look back and rue some missed chances, rue some missed opportunities, and some lapse in con- concentration. It happens. We talk about, you know, being at risk of conceding again right after you concede one because a lot of the time you're shocked. You're taken aback. You, particularly at the late stage in the game as well. I think Germany was so rattled having led for a consistent period and dominated the game that they didn't quite know how to respond. And the Japanese had width in that second half and they looked dangerous with that added width. When you talk about the thin margins in a World Cup, this is the game that shows it. Where Germany dominates, they look really good for the overwhelming majority of it, but they lose their heads for about five minutes, and it could cost them advancing. They play Spain next. Depending <laughs> on the results, if they lose that game, they're out. They're out after two and games. Spain, Spain game is not a team you want to see right now, Jason. It is not a team you want to see with how beautiful it pains me to say as an England fan because I thought we played fairly well most complete performance by a country like England wasn't even close we didn't even shade them and and this is coming from an English person this is a big statement but Spain were night and day like it was an incredible complete performance if I'm Germany I'm feeling a little anxious about the fact we've got to now face the Spaniards Yeah, they absolutely should be anxious. Um, And Japan should absolutely be looking at this group as an opportunity to get out of. They play Costa Rica next. And Japan, that's going to be interesting because Costa Rica doesn't want the ball. Japan's got to carry the play there and go win the game against them rather than sit back and play on the counter. That'll be fascinating to see how it goes. But a couple things about Japan that I think are, are so critical here. Possession is an important thing in terms of kind of how a game flows. It doesn't tell you that a team is better because they have more of the ball or worse because they have less of it. Japan knew what they were doing coming into this game. Their patience, their focus, attention to detail, attention to the game plan is what got them through this. And also a tactical change at halftime. They were playing a 4-3-3 first half. They flipped that to a 3-4-3. Doesn't sound like a big deal. They added another center back. But when you add another center back and then those fullbacks become wingbacks, and they can get in behind, but still give you the defensive security when you need it, when they can drop in and be a line of five, that started to change the game, and they started to look more dangerous. They ended up getting the job done eventually, wearing Germany down. Even with so little of the ball, 
They still created nine chances in the game. That is a team that knows who they are and what they can do. They didn't want to play straight up with Germany. They didn't think they could. They have so many players who play in Germany, so many players who have previously played in Germany. They knew what to expect. They knew how to handle it, and they got the job done. It's an incredible performance by Japan. It was not an incredible performance by Costa Rica. Um, We knew that they would be overwhelmed against Spain. Their best bet in any game for Costa Rica is to hang on as long as you can. The other team gets frustrated. You get something off of a counter. You get something on a break. Well, they conceded very early. And one reason they conceded very early is, again, this is the reverse of it. Spain had a lot of the ball. That record that Germany set for passes in the first half, that was broken by Spain two hours later in the first half. 537 successful passes in the first half. Germany set the record two hours before that with 422. Spain went 115 better. Yeah, it's a wild statistic, but I'm not surprised having watched the game, the fluidity of the passing, the movement, the speed, the ticky-tacky, beautiful soccer. It was incredible to watch the cohesiveness of this team, the midfield. I hate to use the cliche, but it was the beautiful game. It was so nice to watch so aesthetically pleasing okay it helped that costa rica wasn't really doing anything they were left as statues chasing a ball i can't even imagine how exhausting that was because it looked like a game of keep away that's the only way i can describe it it looked like 5v2 with an extra player like they were just so so comfortable and i'll tell you there's a lot of rising stars on this spanish team i'm excited for this year but what's so incredible is They had 18-year-olds making an impact, looking like they played in the World Cup for years. This is a team that is not only exciting this year, but for generations in terms of years to come. This is what I love about the sport. We just talked about Japan and having that understanding of who they are and their game plan and having the patience and the focus to execute. And their game plan was to not have the ball very much. Spain, same thing. Focus execution knowing exactly who they are and how they play and they had the ball all day long and they started two teenagers in the midfield Sergio Busquets behind them brilliant just brilliant player I think he's underappreciated at all times but two teenagers in front Gavi and Pedri first European team to have two teenagers in their starting 11 since 1962 and they dominated that midfield is just wonderful to watch Gavi had a goal, and it was a brilliant goal, too, mm-hmm. on the volley. Youngest goal scorer in a World Cup match since, I don't know, this guy named Pele in the 1958 World Cup final. Gavi's got that kind of game to be one of the world's best. Pedri does, too. And they're both in the same midfield, and terrifying. they looked it today. <laughs> if you are not Spanish, that is a terrifying midfield. And, and the youthfulness, they don't seem youthful in their knowledge of their game and their understanding and their soccer IQ and the delicacy of their touches and the repertoire that they have in terms of their different options. It was just the superlatives aren't there. Okay. And I think we have to limit it a little bit and it's not to disrespect Costa Rica, but let's be honest, they're going to face bigger challenges. I'll be interested to see how they do against those bigger challenges. But right now the early signs is that I've underestimated Spain and a lot of people have estimated Spain because we were underestimated 
we have talked about them struggling with goals yep. and they were very clinical today against a goalkeeper that we had both called one of the best and thinking he was going to be exceptional. It was difficult for him, but I also think he was a goalkeeper that you could tell hadn't played consistent minutes for a while. He's under siege to Kaylor Navas. So I, I, I'll be curious to see if he looks better against upcoming opponents and they got to see Japan and they, they've got to see Germany in this. I'll ask you real quick. Um, is Spain a contender to win the title? Oh yeah. After that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I tell you if I'm as an England fan and we, if we progress, I would like to not go anywhere near Spain. I think the contender to win the title gets underway tomorrow. Brazil. <laughs> it, it just doesn't feel like a world cup until we see Brazil play their first game. They've been in every world cup. They're the only country in the world who can say that they've been every single time. They've been a favorite to win the title pretty much every year since 1950. Some people are saying that this could be their best team since 1970, which a lot of people will argue is the best World Cup champion of all time. Now, Brazil's won two titles since 1970. They won in 94. They were a little more defensive. They won in 2002. They were very good in 2002. But this year's team, they really don't have many weaknesses, and they've got a couple players in just unbelievable form Neymar in the system that Tite has has developed here, and it's it's evolved in during his time in charge of Brazil. Neymar's almost in a completely free role and can just go do whatever he wants to do, and he's doing a lot right now for Brazil and for PSG. Vinicius Jr. coming in off of a great start to the season. This is a really interesting team to watch because we know all the talent that Brazil always has, but this team. This time, I can't remember a time that you're trying to find a weakness. You're trying to find something about them that doesn't feel quite right. I haven't found it yet. I heard um, on a podcast, a lot of countries in the World Cup have teams. Brazil has a squad. And I think that's what makes them so special in terms of the depth, in terms of being able to make switches, in terms of not being worried if a player gets a knock, because you have so much quality, not only in your starting 11, but in the players that follow behind. And that's where you feel like they are going to be able to harm an opposition, particularly with the change in how many subs you can have, because you can use that depth. And that's terrifying. Biggest difference is this Brazil team, the fullbacks stay home a little bit more. It's not like Roberto Carlos bombing forward all day. The wingers stretch the field wide. They want those 1v1s. They've only lost one time in the group stage since 1970. They start with Serbia tomorrow. We'll get into the rest of the games on Thursday on our Thanksgiving. Should be a lot to be thankful for in the World Cup. You're listening to Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. 
And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Last segment, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's going to be a little hectic as we get a little deeper into this tournament, Jess. We've got U.S. and England on Friday. Uh, the event that we're going to be at, by the way, has sold out at Wild Heaven West End. It is full, um, which is crazy. There's going to be over 1,000 people there. I want to say it's up to 1,200 people that can fit. There's going to be – this place is going to be full for U.S. England. We'll be doing a little bit of a pregame show. You can watch on Twitch, on the Soccer Down Here Twitch. Um, You can also come out if you can find a way in and be a (laughs) part of the biggest game in maybe in U.S. soccer history in terms of excitement. Um, And I got to work on my trash talk for you for tomorrow as we preview it. It's really hard, isn't it? Because we usually get along so well, but I think that it's been building up. It's been building up and there's a lot of tension between this one. And I think... There's a lot of pride involved for me as an English woman in America, and there's a lot of hurt. I keep going back to it, but on the women's side, I had a very painful viewership experience with you, Jason Longshore. Watching I was that not game. mean, though. I was not mean at you all. You were not mean, but it was painful along with the whole yeah. Soccer in the Street staff, and then we had to do a podcast after, but I was a very good sport. I continued on the podcast. And whatever happens, we will still have a show on Friday night, even if I'm licking wounds or if maybe you're licking some wounds. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a uh, very, very (laughs) stressful day on Friday. We're going to preview all of that tomorrow. You're going to hear in our preview of U.S. England tomorrow. You're going to hear from Greg Garza 
former Atlanta United, former U.S. men's national team left back. You're also going to hear from Charlotte FC center back Anton Walks, also formerly of Atlanta United, and hear their thoughts. I know we've got some predictions from them coming. We'll see if those work their way in tomorrow as well. Um, other games tomorrow, though, because we'll review these tomorrow night as well. Uh, let's start with Uruguay and South Korea, because I I kind of wonder if Uruguay can get into that conversation with so far in this tournament. Brazil is already there. They were there when, when the doors opened and they're probably still going to be there after tomorrow's game. Brazil, Spain, they've, they're have they in that spot now. They're in that club. They're at that table. England's at that table. France, I think, has to be at that table. Is that the table right now? Those four? Yeah, I would say. And I think England's at the table, but a few steps away. Ah, they're at the table. I, I think they're at the table. Stop it. I don't want the I don't like being at the table. I want to be a little bit table. further back from the table. The, the US is further back from the table. England's at the table. They got to hold on to that. You're spot. sat on the floor. You're sat on the floor right now. Well, like the, the US might pop up with a steel chair to knock somebody out of that seat at the table <laughs> on Friday. We'll see how that goes. But Uruguay has the possibility to crash that table as well. And you heard him on our preview show, Nino Torres of Goal TV. He calls the Ecuadorian League. He also calls the Uruguayan League. He knows this Uruguayan team very, very well. And Nino's got some strong opinions on Uruguay. Let's hear from Nino Torres. I think they're the dark horse. They're really? The dark horse. Yeah. They, 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 they are. Hmm. I think so, yeah. I, I don't know how far they will, will they go. But uh, they did. I mean, people forget about these guys. You know, people are, I mean, we're such a some focus on the uh, Brazils and France of the world. Although, although I, I saw a, a couple of uh, brackets earlier today that they were predicting uh, Germany to win it all. So, I don't know. Right. Germany is a different story because they are the most effective team in this competition. But uh, back to Uruguay. Um, I think that uh, that combination of uh, experience and um, these young players, it's... Uh, is 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 gonna make an impact. It's gonna make an impact, and uh, it, in this is part of the legacy from El Maestro Tavares, okay? Because uh, when he left, uh, he he's I mean he's been with the team for so many years. What was it? Twelve years? Yeah, twelve years. Uh, he was uh, uh, the head coach for uh, for Uruguay, and um, it's just the, the mentality, the respect, how humble they are, how humble they are, how respectful they are. With their uh, with their uh, with their elderly what an elderly in the in the team I mean talking about Cavani Suarez the leaders of the um, of the team when when the young kids like uh, Factores which I love uh, or Pelistri or, or or Darwin Nunez they're, they're when they're talking about the Cavani and Suarez they are like yeah we I learn from them I uh, listen to what they're saying. And uh, and then the, the journalists were keep asking Darwin Nunez, hey, wait, you're so hot now, you're playing for Liverpool and this and that and that. Yeah, but I am I am behind these guys. They're going first, and I and I and I recognize them, I respect them. Whatever you have to tell me, I'm gonna listen. And uh, and that's the um, that that humbleness, it just uh, it brings a lot. It brings a lot, uh, and especially having uh, Fede Valverde and. Uh, the best level right now. I think I think 
but he's probably the best midfielder in the world right now, Fede Valverde. So um, uh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Good white, I mean, don't don't overlook good white. Do not overlook. Do not make that mistake. No. I don't think South Korea will be overlooking Uruguay. Um, Federico Valverde is right there with a Gavi and with a Pedri in terms of quality and playing in the midfield right now. This game will be fascinating because Uruguay is very, very good. That mix Mm -hmm. of, of youth and experience is perfect for a tournament like this. South Korea has one of the best players in the world as well in Sun Hung Min. But he's going to play with a mask. I don't know if if you want to describe it as like Zorro or Robin. I don't know. But he's got a fractured eye socket and had to have a surgical procedure to stabilize it. He's playing in in a mask. He's got to carry South Korea to have a chance to stay with Uruguay, in my opinion. He does because he's the key player both on and off the pitch in the locker room, you know, he has to lead and he has to be an example. And I think already you're inspiring players. When you put your body on the line, there's a lot of players that might have backed out of that one, might have waited a little longer to heal because it's no joke wearing a mask. It does impact you. It's not comfortable. It does get into your head a little bit about decision-making. I hope he is still able to play the way that he wants to play. I hope he's not thinking about getting into those aerial duels about battling physically because it can get into your mind when you're still playing with a sort of injury if you're still playing with that expectation but I think that he will lead his country and I think he will be able to explain to his fellow countrymen what the quality is like on this team obviously you know he knows about the danger factors and he knows about what it takes to to get into a game like this but you have to say that Uruguay is the clear favorite in this one they are. The the juice boxes would back you up on that. Minus 140, South Korea plus 440. The draw is plus 250. That feels about right. Sun is going to have to have an amazing match, I think, to stay there with them. Uruguay, I think, has the goals in them. I think they're going to win that. The opening match tomorrow, Switzerland and Cameroon. Cameroon plus 440. Switzerland to minus 135. The draw plus 250. I don't know. Switzerland is seen as the number two team in Brazil's group. I really feel like it is a total toss-up behind Brazil. I think Switzerland, Serbia, Cameroon, not much separating them. If you feel that way, uh, you might feel like the numbers on Cameroon, which are the exact same as South Korea, plus 440 to win, 250 on the draw. You might feel like that's uh, worth a juice box or two. Yeah, I mean, Cameroon's not in very good form, but it's the right place to find your form out here. I think they've struggled in their last five or so games. But when you get up to a tournament, anything can happen. I mean, we've seen it. If you haven't learned anything from this tournament so far, it's that scrap how you've been playing, scrap the records of Argentina on that long, long Mm -hmm. unbeaten streak, you get into the tournament soccer and anything can happen. So I think that like you say, Jason, sometimes groups become really, really open. And there's that belief that, okay, we understand. Brazil's probably going to walk this one. I'm saying it a little bit more tongue-in-cheek because I've learned my lesson about saying how clear and obvious things can be. But when you are still in that contention and you feel like you can battle out against either of the other two teams in your group, it becomes very, very exciting to be a part of. I think the thing about Switzerland for me against Cameroon and just in this group, they just don't – there's not a lot that wows you about Switzerland. Mm -hmm. I think they're 
okay. I mean, I think they're they've got some solid. They've got a solid team. They've got balance. Um, they don't score a ton of goals. And Bolo up top doesn't score a ton. He's going to look to get in behind. He's he's fast. That's good. Um, you're relying a lot on Shakiri, who mm-hmm. I thought was Chicago Fire in MLS this year was okay, but not spectacular. Didn't set my world on fire. He was okay. Uh, Granite Chaka is probably the most important player, and he's been brilliant under Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. So he's got to carry that form along. I think Cameroon could pull the upset, but I'm not really sold on Cameroon either. I think Serbia is the one who comes out of the group along with Brazil. The game at 11 a.m., The one of the questions from our good friend Jarrett Smith was which game has the greatest potential to get drunk tomorrow? <laughs> the holiday, there's going to be people possibly imbibing a little bit. I think it is the Portugal-Ghana match because Mm -hmm. Portugal is a soap opera persona. It's a telenovela right now, Jason. Come on, we got to say it. There is a lot of drama. It's getting a lot of attention and not for the soccer on the field right now. It's a lot more of the uh, sneaky peeks into the dressing romantics. And there's one man in particular that has made a lot of it about him. And listen, when it comes to Ronaldo, a lot of the time he's able to show what he can do. We cannot deny he's a very talented soccer player. I think the timing of all of this is absolutely ridiculous and a little bit selfish. And for his sake as the legacy, I hope it doesn't cause too many issues on the pitch or fractions within this Portuguese team. But if they start to face some adversity or if he does not play to the level that he should be playing, I think things could get very interesting, not only between the two sides, but between the Portuguese team as a whole. All right. I know some of the the predictions that we've seen so far, one game through for a lot of teams have been all over the map. And, and look, we've got things wrong, just like a lot of people have. I am... I am not going to to get scared of that. I am going to go ahead and tell you that my upset special of the day is Ghana beating Portugal. They're plus 700, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. Oh, wow. Um, I think the the soap opera of Portugal is going to affect them. I agree with Vincent Company uh, of Burnley and legendary Belgian defender when asking since Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, doesn't have a club that he plays for anymore right now. <laughs> um, you know, Vincent Company was asked about it and he's like, I-, I like players who can run. I think Ronaldo ends up hurting Portugal more at times than helping them. You have to revolve everything around him the way that you play because he doesn't run. You've got mm-hmm. to just serve up crosses. I don't think that suits them. I don't think Bruno Fernandes plays as well with Ronaldo around him as he does without him. I think Ghana is going to take advantage of this. I really like this Ghanaian team. They've added actually quite a few players in the last few months. And one of them up top in Yaki Williams from Athletic Club in Bilbao. His brother decided to play for Spain. It's a fascinating story. Oh, He's going to play story. for Ghana. But Ghana, I mean, Inyaki is a legend at Athletic Club. I think he's going to get the start up top. Mohamed Kudus from Ajax, 22 years old, a future star in Europe. Watch him. Thomas Partey. Uh, Tariq mm-hmm. Lamptey has come to this team, but Partey is one of the, the top central midfielders in the world. I really think that Ghana can take advantage of a dysfunctional Portugal tomorrow. I don't think you're making a rash decision because if I think back to my bracket, I thought I had Ghana going through. 
I think I did. I'm trying to remember. I think that might have been my hot take. But uh, this Portuguese team just feels a little whack right now. It just feels a little uncomfortable. It's almost awkward to watch. It feels like you're sneaking into someone's like private personal business. And uh, I think that Ronaldo's almost dented his... He, you can't deny he's a great soccer player or was a great soccer player. I think you're right that he's not letting go. I think Wayne Rooney put it best, actually. I'm going to give Wayne some, a little shout out. Everybody ages. Some people age and accept it gracefully. And some people try to cling on to the shadow of their former self. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you decide which one Ronaldo is doing. I think it's a pretty easy decision on which way that's going. Uh, Brazil is a minus 220 in their match with Serbia. That's the two o'clock game. Serbia is a plus 600. Serbia, I, I think, will make it difficult for Brazil at times. Um, the biggest question I have for, for Serbia and Dragan Stojkovic, their legendary manager, he's got Alexander Mitrovic and mm -hmm. he's got uh, Dusan Vlaovic, two top number nines. He generally doesn't like to play both of them together. We see this at national teams sometimes. Your two best players might play in the same position. I think you got to get your best players on the field. And if that means changing your system a little bit, I think you kind of need to do that. We'll see if he does that. Uh, both had some injury concerns. Both appear to be okay for this one. Uh, a couple other reports around the tournament. Thomas Delaney from Denmark. He is out for the rest of the tournament with a knee injury. It looks like Iran's goalkeeper, Bayron Vand, is going to play against Wales. He's expected to be in the starting lineup after that concussion substitution early. He can't, but he can't have had, if he's playing, he can't have had a concussion because you cannot enter a concussion protocol and get out of it in four days. You just can't. Yeah, I don't think they have a concussion protocol. The, the dude was the seeing stars. He was literally yeah. seeing stars. I would agree. Wouldn't you be shooting at him? If you, yes. you would just be taking shots and loading balls underneath him nonstop if you were Wales. Yes, absolutely. And then the last update, Harry Kane. We talked about it yesterday. Sounds like the scans came back good, but there's still a concern about kind of his mobility. Fast, real quick before we get out of here. Mm -hmm. Would you play him on Friday? No. No, we've got three points. This is a game that we don't have to win on paper. Save him because you've seen it happen before. Play someone when they're half injured, they end up getting a, a, a tournament ending injury. Can't take that gamble. I thoroughly agree with that. Gareth Southgate, do not play Harry Kane on Friday. I really like that idea. We're going to talk more about U.S. and England tomorrow night. We're on after NFL. It'll be around 11.45 or midnight. If you miss any of our shows, you can download them, the Off the Woodwork folder on your favorite podcatcher or on the Odyssey app. We'll see you tomorrow. More World Cup on Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. Adios, everybody. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.